0: Thank you Mike. Thanks for the invitation. It is uh, great to be here. I've been blessed uh, by being here this morning. I got blessed by singing How Great Thou Art. Who else got blessed by that this morning? And I just got blessed by uh, that story of uh, this building. You know, what a gift to the community that uh, a church can actually bless and sow into the community in such an incredible way just to see what God is doing through the Special Olympics and the service of uh, Margaret. uh, That's going to fill my heart with joy, I'm hoping, for the rest of the week. It's uh, it's great uh, to be here. As uh, Mike said... I'm a senior pastor at Gateway Baptist Church. I've been doing that for about 15 years and for the last two years I've been uh, leading the Queensland Baptist movement, part of uh, uh, 223 churches uh, around our state, like Good Life, just uh, partnering together to see Queensland uh, come to know Jesus. But I think uh, my greatest joy and I'd say my greatest achievement is actually staying married for 29 years to one wife. And uh, this, is uh, might be um might be a photo as my beautiful wife Susan, she couldn't be here today, she's uh, preaching at Gateway uh, today, but we've loved watching our family flourish and grow in the last few years. They're our two grandkids, uh, we got two grandkids, Aurelia is our first uh, granddaughter, she's uh, three, I was in the pool with her yesterday, I'm always teaching her to swim whenever I get the chance because my big dream, my big vision in life is that one day I will be in a swimming arena, and I'll hear over the loudspeaker, swimming in lane seven is Aurelia from Australia. (laughs) So I I throw her in the pool uh, whenever I can. You never know, Olympics is coming to Queensland. She could be a child uh, prodigy. And then our first grandson uh, comes along in August, and our daughter named, our granddaughter, this beautiful Spanish princess name, Aurelia. Grandson comes along, what do they call him? Freddy. <laughs> we love Freddy already. Um, here. Now, you, you hear me talk about my family and the joy in watching my family flourish and grow. And anyone here who's a parent or a grandparent knows the joy that I'm talking about. You don't question for a minute that there is incredible joy and love in my heart at watching my family flourish and grow. But who here knows that our Father in heaven is a better father than me? Come on, put your hand up if you know that our Father in heaven. Why would we question that our Father in heaven would not feel the same way about us, would not want his family to flourish and to grow? I want to talk about that today. This word flourishing has been a real blessing uh, to me, something I've been praying about uh, for our family of churches around Queensland. I believe he wants his church to flourish and to grow. Before I get into that, put your hand up if you remember Doeg the Edomite. Come on, put your hand up high if you remember Doeg the Edomite. You know, maybe one or two up the back. I bet you've been to Bible college. I went to Bible college for uh, three years to a three-year degree. I finished nine years later, so I spent a lot of time at Bible college. I've been preaching for 28 years. I read this psalm, which started with uh, David writing it during the exploits of Doeg the Edomite, and I'm thinking I spent all this time in Bible college. I preached all these sermons. I can't for the, life of rem- for the life of me remember who Doeg the Edomite is. And nor can most of you. But for a time, for a time, Doeg the Edomite actually had great power and influence. He, he, for a moment in time, for a moment in history, the spotlight was on him. He was King Saul's chief servant. He, he was kind of like second in charge of, of Israel. He had a lot of power and a lot of influence. Unfortunately, he didn't use it for good. He was a selfish man. It was during the time when David was a young warrior and people were starting to say things like, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And Saul wasn't real happy about this. In fact, he got incredibly jealous and he decided to kill David. And David hears about this and he flees for his life. And he gets to a place called Nob. And at Nob, there's a priest called Ahimelech. And uh, he goes to the priest and says, Look, we're in trouble here. We've got nothing to eat. Uh, the king is trying to kill me. Can you help us? And Ahimelech is a man of compassion. He's a leader of compassion. And he feeds David and his men. What David doesn't understand is that Doeg is hiding in the bushes. And he sees Ahimelech help David. And Doeg runs back to the palace. He runs back to Saul and he dobs on Ahimelech and says, this man helped your enemy. And King Saul's hopping mad. He says to his guards, I want you to go and I want you to put Ahimelech to death. And not one of the guards in Saul's army were willing to take the sword to a priest, to the house of God. But Doeg says, I'll do it. He puts up his hand and he volunteers. And he goes back to Nob and he not only slays Ahimelech, but he slays all 85 priests at Nob. All of their families, all of their children and all of their livestock. This man is selfish. He is bloodthirsty. He is against the will and the ways of God. But it looks like injustice is winning. And David is angry. David is is really angry. He had every reason to throw his toys out of the cot and say, God, I'm giving up on you. I'm giving up on your ways. But instead, when it looks like evil and injustice is winning, David decides to write a worship song. And it's Psalm 52. Let me me read the start of it to you. It says, Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Remember, this is a worship song. Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor you love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. This is a worship song. It's kind of like in our context, you know, it's like singing a song, you know, shine, Jesus, shine, kill this lousy dog named Doeg. You know, blaze, spirit, blaze, set Doeg on fire. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, but please do not save Doeg. Smite him. This is the kind of song it is. It's not like, you know, most of the songs we have sung this morning. It's actually a psalm of wisdom and folly. It's actually singing about what happens when we live a life of foolishness against God compared to a life of wisdom with God. David goes on to sing. Verse 8. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing. Everyone say flourishing. flourishing. Flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. You know, when I first read that word, flourishing, I thought, that kind of sounds like a a women's conference. It's not kind of the blokey message that I would normally bring uh, to a church, but this, this word just really gripped my heart. Flourishing means living. Flourishing means what is living is growing. Flourishing means what is living and growing is fruitful. I believe that is the heart of the Father. It's the heart of the Father for this family. For this church family. It's the heart of the Father for your family. Is that we would have a living faith. We would have a growing faith. And that we would have a fruitful faith. There's another word that got used uh, over the last couple of years during the pandemic to describe our emotional state. It's not a new word, but it's a word that got used a lot in the last couple of years. It's the word languishing. And languishing kind of means the opposite of flourishing. It it means lifeless. It it, it means without energy and vitality and growth. It means unfruitfulness. It's just kind of, I'm sure there's some psychologists in the room who would describe languishing a whole lot better, but it's kind of like just blah, languishing. Languishing the prayer in my heart and i believe what god is doing in his church in this season is moving his church from a place of languishing to a place of flourishing he is calling his church you know to life he's bringing new life into us he's filling our hearts with faith for the future. And I wonder if some of us here this morning, we actually need to move from languishing to flourishing in our faith. You know, when we think and pray about our family, we need to move from languishing to flourishing. When we think and pray about the church and serve in the church, he's moving us from languishing to flourishing. David gives us some keys about how to flourish in this psalm. Firstly, he said, flourishing requires planting. He says, I'm like an olive tree planted in the house of God I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God this is my little olive tree if you hadn't worked that out already I I went into the nursery and I said look I, I need to preach a sermon about an olive tree I'd really like a six foot olive tree just to stand beside me on the stage and he said yeah no worries that'll be $500 I said mate I'm a Baptist not a Pentecostal (laughs) <laughs> and he said, he looked at me a bit strange. He says, I don't care what you are, it's $500. I said, well, you kind of got a little one I can put on a table beside me. He said, yeah, that'll be fifty-nine ninety nine. dollars I said, yeah, that'll do. Said, They're expensive, olive trees. You know, this is very precious to me. You know, I want to make sure it's planted in the right environment to flourish and to grow. There's a little tag, some instructions that came with it. It says, olive trees flourish where there is good drainage, cool winters, and hot, dry summers. I live in Brisbane. (laughs) I just lost $59.99. It says, incorporate this exotic beauty in your garden to capture the tantalizing flavors of the Mediterranean. And you'll be able to enjoy these sensational olives with a drink or two. (laughs) Obviously, not a Baptist olive farmer. (laughs) I'm no green thumb, as you may have worked out already. But but I kind of know if this olive tree is going to flourish and to grow it needs to be planted in the right environment. And likewise, if we're going to flourish and grow in our faith, we need to be planted in the right environment. There's a scary trend at the moment that I'm seeing across the Australian church is that we can be followers of Jesus but not actually be planted in a local church. And where theologically that might have some truth to it over my last 28 years of pastoral ministry, I'd say experientially, it doesn't work. You see, we kind of know that this olive tree, oh, you're very concerned about the olive tree. <laughs> it was uprooted and wasn't planted in good soil but just decided to go wherever it wanted and do whatever it wanted. We know it wouldn't grow. We know it wouldn't flourish. You know, we we know that it's only a matter of time before it withers and dies. And David knows this. It's not the only psalm that he sings about this. If we go down to uh, Psalm... 82, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our Lord. They will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You know, David's saying, you know, don't worry about oil of land. Don't worry about Revitalift. If you've got wrinkles, if you've got phidipotas, anyone know what phidipotas are? fortibitters are when you you know you used to I used to flex my muscles and they go up this way now I'm over 50 they hang down this way they they're, they're fortibitters he says if you're getting wrinkles and fortibitters don't don't worry about any of those other products just stay planted in the house of god and you'll stay fresh and young and green he's saying there's a flourishing that can happen he's not just talking about young people he's not just talking about old people he's talking about all people To flourish in our faith, we need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Let me just talk to young people for a minute. Plant yourself in the local church, find a place to serve where where you can make a difference with the gifts that God has given you. And just from looking, you know, at that one story today and walking around these facilities, I know. How many different ways you could serve in this place to actually use the gifts that God has given you to make a difference in this world? Young people, plant yourself in the local church and make a difference in this world. Old people, I turned 50 last year, I'm putting myself in that category now. Uh, Old people. You don't need to put your hands up if you're in that category, but just, you know in your heart. And some of you are thinking, you know, I've been doing this church thing for a long time. I kind of heard every sermon there is. Well, most of you didn't know Doeg the Edomite, just quietly. (laughs) You've heard it all before. Can I encourage you? It's not about you. You don't come to church, you don't plant yourself in the local church for you. You're actually doing it to give glory to God and to cheer on the next generation. And if you haven't worked it out already, it's not easy to be a fully devoted followers of Jesus as a young person in this generation. They need you. They need you to cheer them on. They need you to pray with them and to stand with them and encourage them as they decide to follow Jesus, as they decide to honour God in their marriages. They need you to walk. Beside them, parents, for those of you who don't have young grandkids, but you got young kids. Can I encourage you to plant yourself in the local church for the sake of your kids? There's a bunch of things I got wrong as a parent. And one of the things that I'll never regret is planting our kids in the local church. In our context, that meant every Friday night, every Sunday. Our kids were planted. And it's such a joy to see them all following Jesus and the next generation beginning to understand who Jesus is. To flourish, we need to be planted. And flourishing requires some persevering through tough seasons. David goes on to say in this psalm, he says, I trust in God's unfailing love Forever and ever. Even though he's hiding in a cave and Doeg's living it up, prosperous in a palace. He says, I'm not going to allow evil and injustice to diminish my faith. E- even though, you know, the house of the Lord at Nob has been destroyed. Even though the house of the Lord is diminishing. It's not going to diminish my faith. Even though the church in this nation might be shrinking, my faith is growing for what God is going to do into the future. You see, this uh, is little olive tree here. It actually doesn't become fruitful overnight. Anybody here that does have a green thumb that knows how long this needs to be planted before it actually starts to bear fruit and I can have a cheese and olive platter with a few non alcoholic drinks as a Baptist pastor. Anyone know? Ten or it's, that's actually about five. Planted in the right conditions, it'll take about five years to become fruitful. And as followers of Jesus, you know, we don't become, you know, fruitful followers of Christ in five minutes. It actually takes persevering through time, hanging on to God's love, hanging on to God's word, through some difficult seasons sometimes I'm glad James, the brother of Jesus, said this and uh, not me, because these are tough words. He says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He's saying when you persevere under trial under testing conditions, when life's not going as you'd like it to, when you persevere and you hold on to God's Word, you hold on to the faith that He's put on your heart, you hold on to His love, you trust in His unfailing love, it produces something. There's a fruitfulness that comes. There's a flourishing that comes. We become mature and fruitful. You know, the, the most difficult time that Susan and I ever walked through in our marriage was when uh, our third daughter, at the age of 14, got anorexia nervosa. And at that point, I, I got to say I had no understanding what an evil disease this was. Bronte's brain was uh, starving; she couldn't think properly, and she was barely alive. One of the worst days of our lives was pushing her in a wheelchair into an adolescent psychiatric ward at Logan Hospital because the doctor said, do not let her walk in. Her heart is so weak she might not make it. And we pushed her in there and eventually they got a tube down her throat to keep her alive. I remember the day that I went to visit her was, uh, probably the first time I think I went to visit her on my own and we were in a little room and her brain was starving that badly she started screaming at me and the doctor came and knocked on the door and said Jason, it's better that you leave you're doing more harm than good I'm her dad <laughs> I'm a bastard. I'm a professional at visiting people in hospital and I got sent out they were dark times for our marriage and for our family. And I'm really thankful God gave us this picture separately, but about only about three days apart, of just us standing in the baptistry with Bronte as she declared her faith in Jesus Christ. And we held on to that prayer for three years. We just believed that God was going to break through. And in that time, I had all sorts of dark thoughts wanting to rob my faith, wanting to steal the faith that God had put in my heart. And I had to learn how to listen to the Father heart of God in a whole new way during those days. And it was during those days God gave me this simple revelation. He produced something good in me that's actually become fruitful, not just for me, but for others. I learned this simple way of listening to the Father heart of God simply when a thought comes into your mind, this is the way to discern whether it's the heart of God. The Father will never push you away. He will always draw you close. The Father will never use his words to put you down, but he'll always build you up. It sounds simple, but during that season it transformed me. And I've actually preached that message in every state in Australia. But my greatest joy was four years later when we did stand in that baptistry with Bronte and she put her faith in Christ and she went three months later as a missionary to Cambodia to work with girls rescued from sex trafficking, walking through their own dark time. And I got to go and share devotions there with Bronte. There might be a picture. She still wasn't completely well. She was still too too skinny. And, And I got to teach on the Father Heart of God with Bronte in my arms and against my heart to a whole bunch of girls living and coming out of the darkness of sex trafficking. Four years later, four years later, just a couple of months ago, this same girl that we pushed into a hospital because her heart was too weak came second in a Queensland CrossFit competition. She is strong as an ox. But for eight years, we just held on to a prayer. We held on to the love of God. We learned to listen to the voice of God. And we've seen God do something beyond what we ever could have imagined. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're going through a difficult time, God has not turned his back on you. He never will. He's never pushing you away. He's always drawing you close. He's never putting us down. He's always building us up. He has not turned his back on you. And if you will just hold on to his unfailing love, like David does in this psalm, he will produce fruit in your life. There will be a flourishing that comes. It doesn't always come in our timing and it doesn't always come the way that we'd like it to come. But our God is a God, he's a father who loves for his family to flourish. music. I could not find a study anywhere in the world that said plants flourish when they listen to country and western music. (laughs) It's an absolute travesty. Any other country and western fans in the house? All right. David flourishes in his faith because he learned to praise God in every season. He wrote 73 psalms of praise Psalm 119, he says, I praise you seven times a day. I don't know if there's anything magical about the seven, but maybe right now you're walking through a season where you just need to set it in your alarm on your phone to seven times a day to stop and praise God. Let him fill your mind with hope and with goodness. You see, what praise does, it lifts our eyes off our problems And onto the power of God. You know what what, what praise does is it takes our eyes off ourselves and what we're able to do in any problem. And we actually begin to see what God is able to do in the midst of every any problem. You know, we we, we don't praise. We we don't praise because all of our problems are disappearing. We don't praise because our, our bank balance is growing. We, we don't praise when our kids are all behaving and everything is going swimmingly, so it's a good time to praise. No, we, we praise because when we were deserving of death and we had no way to bridge the gap between us and God, God the Son came down from heaven. He actually took on human flesh. He became nothing and He became obedient, obedient to death even on a cross. And on that cross, He took your sin and He took my sin, that which separated us from the loving heart of the Father for all eternity. And He put it to death. But that's not the end of the good news. When His dead body was placed into a tomb and the women three days later went to anoint His dead body, There was an angel there saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. You see, we praise because Jesus Christ forgave your sin, defeated death. He went through death and came out the other side. And he's alive today and forevermore. And he says, anyone who puts their faith and their trust in me can have that same life for all of eternity. We praise because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever and he is worthy of all glory and honour and praise. Can I hear an amen this morning? That's why we praise. And if he does nothing else good in our lives, that's enough. The good news is, we've got a God who's always looking to bless us and to bring about flourishing in our lives and in our family. Flourishing flows from praising God in the presence of God's faithful people. When you're standing behind someone, you know they're going through a difficult time and they're still praising God. It actually begins to grow faith in your heart. That's why we get planted in the local church because we flourish when we praise God in the presence of God's faithful people. The question for us this morning, do you want to flourish? like David, or do you want to be uprooted like Doeg? You want to be a David or a Doeg? Selfishness, self-centeredness, it may shine and sparkle for a time, but God will not allow it to last forever. Does anyone know how long an olive tree will last if it's planted in the right environment, on average? Have a guess? Someone's saying hundreds of years. On average, 500 years. On average. But there's an olive tree in Jerusalem called the Al Badawi olive tree. And they estimate that it's around 4,000 years old. It, It means it was planted when David was writing this psalm, it means it was flourishing. When Caesar Augustus called for a census. And it continued to flourish when the creator of all heaven and earth and every tree on this planet was nailed to a rugged cross. It continued to flourish as the Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. It continued to flourish when Emperor Nero tried to uproot that early church and put it to death. It continued to flourish through the Middle Ages. It continued to flourish as evil kingdoms, you know, rose to power and were taken out again. It flourished through pandemics. It flourished through wars. It flourished through World War I and World War II. You know, it flourished through y 2 k You know, it flourished through COVID-19 and it is still flourishing today. God has built into his creation and into his redemption in this world a flourishing that can continue to be a blessing, not just for ourselves, but for generations to come. Now, David was a man who flourished, not just in his lifetime, but he's still blessing us today. You, you see, David was a giant killer. He had faith in his heart when, when everybody else was scared for their lives. And we've got some giants out there today. There's giants of injustice. And there's giants of unbelief. And it's easy just to shrink back and, and say, oh, there's not much we can do. Let's just sort of huddle together and look after ourselves. God wants his family to flourish. He's calling, he's putting faith in our hearts to, to actually see giants of injustice and unbelief come crashing down in this nation and nations around the world. David was a songwriter. I'm telling you, there's people here on this stage and there's others that sitting in the pews. Where God is going to write songs on your heart that are going to be a blessing for this congregation, but are actually going to tell the story of God in this nation. That is the heart of God. David was a great leader. And I tell you, we need leaders. We need young leaders being raised up in this next generation. We've got to get around them, encourage them, encourage their crazy ideas, pray for them, believe in them, to actually reach this next generation. David was a man after God's own heart. He's written worship songs that are still blessing us today. I believe he's calling his church, Jesus is calling his church to forget pre-COVID and post-COVID and just get after the heart of God, to love God and to love people with everything we've got. And when that happens, God pours out a blessing. I believe we've got an exciting time coming up in the church in Australia. Just a quick little uh, timeline you know, as I said, I'm leading uh, Queensland Baptist and we for the first time we're starting a conference for all of Queensland Baptists. everyone is invited to come at SeaWorld the next couple of years first one happening in March we're just going to, just to inspire and encourage and equip one another to reach out to a community who desperately uh, needs Jesus, 2025 we've got Baptist World Congress Baptists from all over the world are going to come together and pray for our state and pray for this nation, I believe it's going Be a really inspiring time at some point. There, the Rugby World Cup is coming to Australia, it's a game they play in heaven. It's a little bit of heaven is coming down to earth more seriously. The Olympics is coming, it's going to be a time when people, you know, all over the world pray for and converge on this state and reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ. And in 2030, 2033. The world is going to celebrate 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know Jesus is going to get put in the spotlight and we want to be ready for it. I believe this is a time where God wants to pour out his blessing, he's calling us to persevere, even when it looks like evil and injustice is winning, even when there is suffering around about us. Stay planted. Stay planted persevere through tough times hold on to his love and praise him in every season take our eyes off ourselves and onto him and i believe this is going to be a season of flourishing for this church and for the church in this nation i'm gonna get the band to uh come up if they can